You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. Welcome to the Historical Yarns Podcast, the show where we talk about knitting from the past and bring it into the present. Welcome to episode four of season one of the Historical Yarns Podcast. I'm Rachel Roden. And I'm Heather Boyd, and today we are continuing our discussion of the Estonian tradition of lace knitting. In episode three, we talked about the origins of Estonian lace and some of the geography and basically how it came about and how it's practiced. And today we are going to talk more about the specific stitches in each project and how each shawl is constructed. Yep. And Estonian lace is, of course, it's got its own different interesting things and quirks about it. But I think the first thing I want to mention is that it is on a stockinette stitch foundation. So we talked about how Shetland is a garter stitch foundation where you knit every row. Front and back. Uh-huh. Um, stockinette is knit on the right side and then you're purling on the wrong side. And what you get with that, of course, is a rest row basically on the wrong side where you're purling back. And that's one of the ways that we can tell that Estonian lace is a slightly newer tradition than some of the other ones because it's almost completely constructed of that type of patterning. There's not patterning on both sides mm -hmm. of the of the piece. So, And if you're trying to get a visual of what that looks like, most machine knit items look like stockinette, what yeah. we would call stockinette. So it's a flat look. All the stitches look exactly the same on one side of the fabric and mm -hmm. the back sides all look the same as well. Yep. Uh, yeah, they like line up in little V's, but mm -hmm. of course you've got um, lace thrown into the mix here. So it's going to mm -hmm. move those stitches around or whatever, but that's the foundation of it. And then in addition to it being stockinette, which actually before I move on from stockinette, it actually creates a whole like, it makes the whole thing really different because stockinette is a stitch that is more vertical like it stretches out more vertically as opposed to garter, which because of the way the stitches like lock up next to each other when you're knitting on every row, it's a compressed stitch vertically. So I almost feel like with Estonian lace, you can, you knit fewer, well, you do knit fewer rows for mm -hmm. Estonian lace than you do for um, the other types just because of that elongated stitch that you get from from stockinette. So keep that in mind, mm -hmm. right? That's not <laughs> quite as stretchy. Yeah, yeah. So can uh, move through it a little quicker fewer rows anyway mm -hmm. <laughs> and then with the knitting itself of course Estonian lace has some distinctive stitches and I think the biggest thing that really differentiates it from other lace knittings is the noop and I will spell that n-u-p-p mm -hmm. <laughs> it's, it's a really, weird word <laughs> it's you you'll know it when you see it it's one of those things that is instantly recognizable when you're looking at a knitted item mm -hmm. And if you know what a bobble is, mm -hmm. that kind of helps yeah. describe it. It like creates a 3D element to your knitting mm -hmm. um, kind of. And similar to bobbles, it it adds like, like you basically work a noop into, you create like, let's say it's a five stitch noop. You create five stitches out of one mm -hmm. for the noop all in one row. And then on your way back on the wrong side, you're going to purl all of those stitches that you created together. So it creates this like little bunch of fabric that you um, push towards the right side of your work. And 
uh, when you take those little 3D elements and you arrange them in interesting ways, it just creates a really, really unique fabric, I think. Mm -hmm. It almost looks like little pearls on the fabric there. Yeah, it's cool. Um, My wedding shawl was covered in noobs, so Mm -hmm. I got real up close and personal with that technique (laughs) when I was making it. And I don't think you've knitted a noob since. I don't think I have either. (laughs) (laughs) They're definitely not in the pattern, the Shetland pattern, partly because they're not Shetland, but also because... You know, they're, they're an endeavor. Like, cause so what happened for me when I was knitting them is that I would be too tight. Mm-hmm. I would, cause you're, when you create five stitches out of one or seven or nine or however many it is for the noop, you're basically like knitting into the stitch and then wrapping your yarn around your needle and then knitting it again and wrapping it around. So you're creating those extra stitches by putting your needle back into the same stitch a million times. And it is so easy to do that really, really, really tightly, mm-hmm. which seems fine in the moment. And then you get <laughs> to the other side. to purl all those stitches together. And oh my gosh, when they're super tight like that, it's impossible to get your needle in there. I think I had a crochet hook out at one point because the oh. only, I could, I couldn't, I just couldn't do it with that needles. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I mean, would yeah. grab them with the crochet hook and that was the only way I could pull the the yarn through. So mm-hmm. trials and tribulations of knitting hoops right oh there. <laughs> you learn pretty quick to keep it real loose though. Cause after that first row that you struggle through. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, not fun. <laughs> but they're worth it in the end. Oh, right? they are. They're so beautiful. <laughs> they really are. Like that Greta Garbo sh- uh, shawl that we were talking about in the last episode, that um, flower motif is made up all of noops mm-hmm. and it's so beautiful the way they arrange them in the shape of a flower using this 3d effect and i just think that's really really neat how they how they use that instead of yarn overs or your typical mm-hmm. lace stitches to do that yeah so, it makes neat. for way more combinations in your lace knitting too it does like adding noops into some of the stitches and mm-hmm. you come up with so many different other other patterns yeah there's so much variety like in that the knitted lace of estonia book by mm-hmm. nancy bush, bush right mm-hmm. yeah that was one of our sources we use for this episode and like all those patterns in there are just so beautiful and I want to knit pretty much all of them Mm -hmm. maybe someday when I've got a lot of time Mm because they are very time consuming but they're beautiful and speaking of patterns the one thing that I love reading about Estonian knitting is how they came up with their patterns and passed them along Mm -hmm. so yeah it was a clear sign of the community that was built around this technique what they would do is they would have these samples these samplers each woman or each family would have a sampler with all their different stitches on it and then when they wanted to learn a new stitch they would give their sampler to somebody else to to study so that other person would study all the stitches on their sampler and then before giving it back they would add a new stitch to the bottom of it so then you know, you'd get your sampler back and there's a new stitch that you can learn at the bottom of your, your sampler, which I just, I just love the idea of that. I think it is so, so mm-hmm. neat that that's how they traded ideas. Mm-hmm. That's a way to, I mean, you, you literally have it recorded right there. I mean, no written instructions. No. So you would have to be able to read your knitting really well, yeah. which is how we say, you know, to look at a stitch and know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have this permanent example of mm-hmm. all the different types of stitches that are possible and you can even turn it into a beautiful garment that you would wear you know such as a scarf or yeah. or a shawl even so I love that I think it's so cool and it's really interesting to think of how they they just approached their knitting from a totally different place because like I feel like a lot of knitters today don't really know how to read their knitting they're just sort of following instructions right mm-hmm. which is fine that's that's fine and that's great if that's how you're knitting but they didn't have you know, patterns like we have mm-hmm. them now back Written then. patterns and charts yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So they had to just understand how the stitches were constructed and how they went together mm-hmm. and how they could get whatever shape it was that they were going for. And mm-hmm. I 
think the understanding, the depth of understanding there is, is really interesting and cool. Mm -hmm. Once again, another reason why I love learning about this stuff, because it's like, (laughs) it's like goals, you know, (laughs) knitting goals to be able to like understand that knitting to that level is really, really cool. So then that's the stitches. And of course they had, in addition to noobs, like we really focused on that, but they had their other similar things to like what the Shetland Island folks had, you know, they've got their shapes, the, the nature inspired shapes, ferns and leaves and all those sorts of things. X's, you see a lot of X's and, and they also created a lot of stitches for whatever reason. Like they would, they just whipped out a new stitch when they wanted it to represent something. So they were very um, versatile in that respect. They were always making new stitches. So, and then as far as construction, they of course are similar to some of the Shetland shawls and Orenburg, which we haven't talked about yet, but we will. Um, they have the center Um, and a border. So the center always has a garter stitch frame around it. And garter, if you remember, is where you knit every stitch. And they basically would knit a couple of garter stitch rows in the beginning, and then they would line it all the way up with garter and then end the um, piece with garter too. So you have a garter frame all the way around Mm -hmm. it. So they knit the frame at the same time as they knitted the center. Yeah. Yeah. It was all done at the same time. And they usually wear squares for the center, right? Sometimes, I mean, more modern ones have triangular patterns. They're also made into scarves like rectangular, Mm -hmm. but. Yeah, these were were almost always square and and we've sort of branched out with the more modern techniques. But um, also they, I from what I understand, they also seem to have pioneered the crochet provisional cast on, mm-hmm. which is pretty common in knitting patterns. And it's just a way to cast on stitches and you do it using a crochet hook. And when you're done, you can go back and unzip, we call it that crochet chain and you end up with live stitches on your needles. So um, it's a really great way to not have to seam, mm-hmm. <laughs> basically. It's like a way to preserve the stitches and their size so that you can get them back on the needle and continue knitting with them mm-hmm. or, you know, start knitting in a different direction, actually, and put on a border or yeah. whatever. Because that's what they would be doing. They would leave their stitches live at the end after they finish the center square. And then they'd go back and pull out the provisional stitches from the beginning. And then the only thing they'd need to do is pick up stitches up the side. And that's how they would um, get all the stitches they needed on the needles for doing the border. Mm -hmm. And of course, these were talking like 100 years ago in most cases. So they didn't have circular needles yet. They were doing this in pieces. So Mm -hmm. I think they would do each each side, all four sides separately and then seam the edges together mm-hmm. so and the having the live stitches is essential for a special stitch that knitters use called kitchener mm-hmm. which they use to put these borders on and it and it makes an invisible join mm-hmm. basically like it's almost like knitting a new row but with just one strand of thread going through two sets of live stitches yep yeah, so that was pretty crucial for that. Um, and then you get you've got more modern techniques that you'll see in patterns where you you pick up the stitches and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the traditional way was with the the grafting and all the live stitches and all that. So it really does seem to be like a limitation of the needles. They just were really clever with how they figured out how to make these giant pieces using just 
needles that were actually pretty short, mm-hmm. like maybe 10 inches. Mm-hmm. So, and the more I think about it, like the more practical it really is to carry around a small piece of knitting and work on it oh, true. than it is yeah. a giant shawl, you know? Yeah. So, you know, maybe that's why they still do it that way. Yeah. Maybe we shouldn't be so afraid of seeming. <laughs> yeah. <right? laughs> yeah. Cause I guess it's, a, it's like anything else. Once you get good at it, you're probably fast at yeah. it quicker, you know? Yeah. I mean, I'm there's gonna, a rhythm to grafting. And kitcheners. I, I kind of love grafting. I'm going to go ahead and say those words. You don't I, have to go that far. I, I hope nobody will like <laughs> immediately stop listening to this podcast because I said that. No, I do. I've always, I've always liked it. And I think it's because it's just kind of magical when you pull the, pull the yarn yeah. and it just like zips those stitches up and you can't even tell you've put a yeah. seam there. It's really That's cool. That's what it is. You may not like the process of it. <laughs> and I'm sure I've dropped plenty of curse words doing mm, some grafting, yeah. but at the end you're like, no, that is, that's is smart. Magical. That's genius. Yep. Yeah. It I is love like it. knitting magic. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then the only other things to know about the construction is that they, they often um, would bind off double stranded. And I think that was just a way to give it a little bit of, um, more structure around mm-hmm. the edges. It and does make the edge sturdier, especially yeah. when you're talking about blocking these huge yeah. pieces. Cause they used a similar technique to Shetland where mm-hmm. they had frames, right? With, yeah. with pins on the outside that the, that they would hook the, like they were hooked. Yeah. The little scallopy the, edges. The edge of the square mm-hmm. was hooked to all these little pins and had to be stretched within an inch of its life to open up all these lace mm-hmm. motifs and everything. So there's no way you want your edge breaking on you with this like cobweb yarn. Oh God, that would be horrible. Um, yeah. This yeah. Is to go back and sew all those <laughs> stitches again would just be too much. I had a, I had a thread break on me in a shawl. Now it wasn't, it wasn't lace or anything. It was just a thin point in the yarn and it broke <gasps> while I was blocking it. Like I, oh. I walked away and came back and there was like a giant hole in the middle of the lace. Oh no. I know it was horrible. What it did was, you do? Um, I just grabbed some more of the yarn and I just sort of like, so I kind of duplicate stitched it uh-huh. almost like following the line of the yeah. stitches to That's recreate it as best do. I could. Oh, yeah. Man. It was, it was Noro yarn, uh, which if, if you've ever worked with it, it's very thick and thin. Uh-huh. And I just was a, a thin spot that just snapped on me. Just remember my trick about the fabric glue. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah, I wish I had known time. about that back then. Next well, time. I still have that shawl and I still wear it. So whatever I did, closed it up well enough. Oh, that good. It's not falling apart anymore. <laughs> just but rub anyway, it a little. <laughs> talk about times where you want to cry over your knitting when I walked back into the room there's a big hole in it. I know right <laughs> like, well that oh. makes you wonder if these women learned that the hard way too yeah maybe that <laughs> put might a be double border on your uh-huh. shawl yeah <laughs> so if you sure. didn't have that trick in your handbag now you do yeah thanks to Estonian knitting <laughs> <laughs> there you go <laughs> all righty well we're gonna take a short break and then we will come back and talk about the next section of the knit along shawl Welcome back to episode four. We are going to talk about section four of the Zetland shawl in this section, and that is Z-E-T-L-A-N-D. You can get your pattern on Ravelry. So head over there, grab it so you can catch up with us. Um, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes, you might want to go back and listen to those as well because we break down your materials and yarn and the first couple sections of the pattern as well. So head over, listen to those, and then come back and join with us. Grab your knitting. Definitely want you to be knitting while we're talking about knitting, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the whole idea behind the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. you have something to listen to while you're knitting. Exactly. Always <laughs> knitting. <laughs> okay, so section four is going to be... Oh, let's call it decreasing for the corners. So 
we have this kind of crazy shape going on right now, <laughs> which starts with a square in the middle, and then it kind of comes out in a pointed shape from the diamond. So you, of course, have to bring that diamond shape back to a rectangle ish as we will discuss in a minute it's rectangle ish <laughs> it's as rectangle as you want it, it to be it is as rectangle we'll say as you, it that way yeah there you go <laughs> um so you're gonna decrease the two corners separately again this is gonna be saving some stitches for later and knitting part of it and then going back and knitting the other part and that's how you decrease your two corners separately um and i honestly did this on one needle the, the stitches that were on hold for the second corner just kind of stayed on the needle. Didn't bother me in the least. I just left them sitting on that needle while I decreased the other side. Now, if having extra stitches on the needle is something that you don't like or that might bother you, you can always pull them off onto a spare needle or um, onto waste yarn too. So that's, that is always an option, but... You can even tie a little piece of waste yarn right at the edge so you remember to turn and don't like mm -hmm. knit across your extra stitches or yeah. something like that. If you're like a TV knitter, like many of us are, or, yeah. you know, if you are listening to this podcast and you're just so <laughs> enthralled by yeah. our historical discussions. Right. <laughs> you just lace. knit right past that point with the turn point. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, you might accidentally knit too far, so you could put something yeah. there to stop yourself and just remind yourself those stitches are not for right now. So yeah. A little visual hand slap, like, no, don't touch it. Yeah, I didn't put this in the pattern because it would have gotten complicated with the pattern writing, but um, you can always leave a stitch marker there and just know that when you get to that marker, that's your turn point. And eventually you'll be far enough away from it that it'll be obvious that yeah. you're turning and you won't need that visual marker anymore. Right. There'll be a huge gap there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's it's good to have that visual reminder of the stitch marker or the piece of waste yarn or mm -hmm. like something to remind yourself mm -hmm. that you don't want to keep knitting here. You yeah. want to turn your work. Yeah. And, or if you sit down... Uh, if you sit your knitting down and don't pick it up for several days, mm -hmm. oh, <laughs> it kind of helps you like yeah. find your place yeah. again, like where, where you should be knitting and where you should <laughs> yeah. not be knitting. And, yep. Yeah. yeah. Like how many times have you picked up your knitting and like gone the wrong direction? <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. That, has to, even, that happens even to the most experienced it knitters. It really yes, does. Yes, it does. Yeah. And you're like, what? Short row in the middle of my work. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, in this, in this technique, it is particularly easy to do that because the first couple of rows, at least, are kind of exactly like short rows, you know, because mm -hmm. you're turning in the middle of your work. So it sort of feels like you're doing short rows, even though you're actually decreasing to mm -hmm. get to a point at the corner. So, so yeah, that's how we're going to do that. And the stitch pattern you're using, we're still in lace, but we're going back to the same stitch pattern that we used for the center square. Yeah, and that's it. So you already know how to do that stitch pattern. You just got to remember to do your decreases as you go and before you know it, you will be all done. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because you're knitting your garter stitch edge at the same time. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go back and, and do any sort of edge finishing. Yep. Be, when you bind off the corners, you're, you're, done. you're done with that side of the shawl. Yeah, I, I kept that in the kind of similar tradition to Shetland designs because one of the things I was reading about them when we were researching is that they had very little casting on and binding off to do mm -hmm. because they did so much grafting and um, joining and picking up stitches and mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So while this is definitely not those type of traditional techniques because they didn't do circular knitting or <laughs> any of that kind of stuff and the increasing and decreasing, they, they did almost no increasing and decreasing. They did flat pieces that were joined together, but I did try to keep the whole like 
not having a lot of bind off and cast off mm-hmm. or um, cast on stuff to do. So yeah. And I noticed you didn't include a lace border mm-hmm. on the edge, which would be, you know, you may be looking at this if you're an experienced knitter and thinking, where is that Where's border that's border? traditional yeah. Shetland shawls? But yep. um, I really like it without it. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, anybody can grab a, a stitch dictionary and pick out a lace border and pick it up along the edge if they want to do that. And you could even go all the way around the entire length of the piece if you wanted to. Um, I decided not to because, again, trying to, like, use traditional patterns in a modern way, mm-hmm. I just didn't feel like the lace border really suited the modern aesthetic of the shawl. Mm-hmm. So I left it off. I actually, like, cast it on and tried it a little bit just mm-hmm. to see, and I just decided no. Um, also, as we alluded to before, the shape is rectangular-ish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's because the points, so, um, just the way that it's constructed, the points kind of they, they end up going very pointy almost. Um, how do I describe that? Before blocking anyway. Yeah, before yeah. blocking. It almost looks like a mermaid tail a yeah, little bit. Yeah, mermaid tail. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you yeah. can leave it like that too because, yeah. you know, it's an interesting shape. It's mm-hmm. going to fit nicely over your arm mm-hmm. um, when it drapes down over your arm. And mermaids are very in right now. <laughs> they, yeah, they as my two-year-old in. daughter would tell you. Yeah. And she's learning to dress herself and she very often puts both both legs through one hole of her oh. pants. <laughs> And And instead of getting upset about it, she just goes, Mommy, I'm a mermaid. (laughs) Perfect. So we love mermaids. So, um, yeah, I would say it was a happy accident that it turned out that way. Um, But I like having the two kind of elongated points because it is a little bit more interesting when you wrap it around your neck or if you've got it draped over your shoulders. Mm -hmm. And added bonus, those points are perfect for tassels. I'm just saying if you're a tassel person and I didn't know I was a tassel person, but it turns out. I am so. <laughs> well, they would yeah. really add something there, you yeah. know. And I think they're kind of coming back into style. I've seen them yeah. on, on a few patterns recently. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. But yeah, I mean, always if you wanted to, you could really pull the mm-hmm. center of where the print of the wave pattern is really tight and get it perfectly squared off rectangular Mm -hmm. if you want to but you don't really need to and just I mean I like the free-flowing aspect of it I like how it looks like this yeah I felt that way too in fact it's so funny because I almost like ripped out the whole thing and redid it so that it would be rectangular but then I was like no I I like the points Mm -hmm. the points are staying yeah mermaid tail all the way it's a new new shawl shape exactly right (laughs) yeah Yeah. mermaid tail exactly (laughs) sometimes with designing things to our happy accidents yeah well this I feel like this also makes it look just fancy enough to where it's not plain it gives Mm -hmm. it a special edge to it and um, you know even without adding that lace border which by the way like whenever I see a shawl with an actual lace border on it it feels so fancy I almost want I want to wear it for every day. Yeah. But this yep. is like a very good everyday, everyday wear shawl. shawl. Yeah. yeah. I think you'll want to wear it all the time. Yeah. If you choose to do a neutral, like um, my sample is in that gray, like you can literally wear it with anything, mm-hmm. um, any, you know, all day, every day. Right. Which is what I always end up doing with these kind of shawls. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have those in your wardrobe. Mm-hmm. So anyway. All right. Well, that is that's going to conclude the the first wing of your shawl anyway, those two little triangles on the end there. So next week we'll talk about doing the other half of the shawl because of course you've got to go do all this again on the other side. So we'll talk about that next week. And if you haven't grabbed your pattern, just head over to Ravelry and search for Zetland. You can find it there. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening and and happy happy knitting. knitting. 
Thanks so much for listening. You can find me on Ravelry and on all the socials as Rachel Unraveled. And you can find Heather on Ravelry as Heather Boyd 84 Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you found it. And we'll see you next time. Happy knitting. This show is produced and recorded by the Archaeology Podcast Network, Chris Webster and Tristan Boyle in Reno, Nevada at the Reno Collective. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com.